Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. The world is a mess, isn't it? Man, the world is a mess. As I was looking at this teaching, I was thinking, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't need to come up here and tell you, church, how dangerous the world is. I mean, I, you just think about, I mean, what's going on, and it seems to be just, just going nuts, be just danger, danger, danger every single day. I mean, when we, when we really think about it, you realize that across our nation, parks and playgrounds are actually being closed down. And you go, why would they close parks and playgrounds? Well, because the children are apparently not safe anymore to be around them. There are strange people who actually find their way to these places. And of course, that's a foreign concept to me because growing up, we loved the playground. We hung out at the park all the time and now our kids can't even go to the park. And when you do take them, you're always watching. You're always watching, you know, because there's it, this is the world we live in, right? In our schools today, children are being given lessons about what it's, what's called, you know what, stranger danger. Don't trust anybody you don't know. And one of the most chilling things you can hear about our modern world is what we call missing persons, right? If you ever go pay your rent or you ever walk up to a bank or anywhere else, guys, you, you can see these photographs of these kids and, and it just blows our mind. I mean, think about a world that, that is just filled with sex trafficking and, and stranger danger and little ones. And, and on the internet, I saw, be careful with certain hashtags, like about your kids, your little kids, because, because pedophiles will, will look for those hashtags. I'm just going, this is nuts. This is nuts. Guys, the, there's a danger at every stage in the modern world. And then I think about bullying in our schools. You know, we sort of sweep that under the rug. We sort of go, well, you know what? People, uh, people have been doing that for years, but it's getting worse. And a matter of fact, you add cyberbullying, you know, where somebody hides behind their computer and they talk ugly and mean and nasty things to you where it's causing our kids to, to take their own lives and it's causing our kids to just grow up with such an ugly complex and cyberbullying. I'm just thinking, this is crazy. This is crazy. Our students go to school, guys, fearful every single day. Did you know in 2018, statistically, one statistic said we've had 18 shootings since 2018. You go, 18 school shootings? Well, according to the nonprofit organization, Every Town Gun Safety, a total of 28 shootings have occurred on school campuses in the United States up until March 23rd. I mean, you know, I mean, do you think about that at times? We're sending our kids to school and our kids are going and they're fearful because they don't know who's who and so forth. I'll never forget the time several years ago, church, that I was at my work, and there was a domestic dispute going on between a man and a woman, a very real domestic dispute that ended up with two people being murdered in the very place that I worked at. 
And I remember closing the door and walking out and seeing a guy coming toward me after hearing the gunshots, and I didn't know if he was the actual perpetrator or, or he was, I, I didn't know, I'm sitting here, and I was just face to face with eternity, if you will, because I didn't know. And so I back up cautiously, and I go out the back door only to see the real gunman walking across, look right at me, and just kind of keep on going. I mean, this was, I mean, this is, in our showroom, you go, well, where did you work? I mean, that's crazy. I worked at a remodeling place. But the domestic dispute moved from one building and ended up in our building. In our building. And I thought, truly, this is a dangerous world. And this is a very dangerous age. And it does raise the question, is there anywhere at all that we can go to find safety? Well, listen, this is what our text is all about this evening, guys. Safety and peace. Where, where do you go to get safety? Well, listen to the words of Proverbs 18 and 10. It says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. That's a good verse to remember. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. And the Bible tells us, guys, that there's safety nowhere at all, but only in God. God is the safety of those who trust in him. Safety, yes. Peace, absolutely. You see, it was just this week. For me, I got called to go minister to a man who at a nursing home was on, if you will, they said he was on life support. He wanted to speak to a pastor. So, of course, I'm going, life support, pastor, I better get there as soon as I can. And I walk in. And I see this man laying on a bed, and he's got a ventilator going on, and he can barely talk. And I look at him, and I'm telling and he says, I want to go home. He's not talking about heaven. He wants to go home. But I'm saying, you could die. And so I'm trying to minister to him. I lead him in the sinner's prayer just to make sure, please pray this after me. Do you know Jesus? In the meantime, he's starting to get excited, and, and his machine is going off, and he's turning red. I'm thinking, he's going to die right here in front of me. He's going to die right here. This is it. Oh, my goodness. Why are there not nurses coming in? And, and it was just one of those, those things. And, and, and he didn't have the peace of God. He was actually struggling. Well, let me back up just a minute. Before I saw him, I was walking around and I had to find my connection nurse to see who exactly that I needed to visit with. And as I was doing, I see another man sitting there on the couch and he looks at him. He goes, hey, are you here to talk to me? And I said, uh, I don't know. Are you needing a pastor? And he said, oh, no, no, no. They are sending somebody to talk to me because I was going to commit suicide last night. Excuse me? Let me sit down right here. Let me find out why. What's going on? Well, you don't understand. I'm in so much pain. I'm in so much misery. And, and he's, he's 70 years old. And he's going, I want, there's no peace. There's no peace. And I'm crying out to God going, Lord, my heart hurts because I see these people and they're needing the touch of Jesus. Their minds are not alert. Their, their bodies are breaking down and they don't have the peace of Jesus that you have. You see, the Bible tells us, guys, that there's safety only in God. And a lot of people in this world, whether we choose to recognize it or not, they don't have the peace of God. As we make our way, guys, through Psalm 46, 
I want you to keep this in mind, okay? Even jot it down somewhere in your Bible. This psalm is a psalm of trust and thanksgiving. Trust and thanksgiving. As a matter of fact, Psalm 46, most people recognize this psalm on the basis for Martin Luther's hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. He actually wrote that, and I could hear, I mean, could you imagine the magnificent courage of of Martin Luther, this preacher, the courage he displayed when he stood before the religious council that put him on trial? And he said, quote, I cannot and will not retract anything. It is neither wise nor right to do aught against conscience. Here I stand, God help me. I cannot do otherwise. However, sometimes Luther, his great courage, well, it almost failed him, much like us. And then he would turn to his friend and say, Come, Philip, let us sing the 46th Psalm. And they would sing. It's difficult to make make out exactly what situation that may have caused Luther to write down the hymns of praise, but since we know that Luther based it on the 46th Psalm, which is, by the way, his favorite, we may able to venture a guess. You go, how so? Perhaps the situation that fits best is the historical tone of this psalm. You go, what was that? It was the deliverance, guys, of Jerusalem that took place in the days of Hezekiah the king when Sennacherib's forces were miraculously slaughtered by the angel of the Lord, and 185,000 Assyrians lay dead on the ground. You can read this, 2 Kings chapter 18 and 19. I thought I would read it for the sake of time. I won't be able to get into it. You can do that as homework. So if you're taking notes, and I highly encourage it, this psalm encourages, guys, in a time when we don't know what tomorrow brings, to put our hope and trust in God and His power and His providence and His gracious presence that's within us in the worst of times. Number two, it also directs us to give Him glory for what He has done and for what He will do in the future. You see, After I went through that nightmare of this young lady being killed in our store and our vice president right out the door, I knew that there was one thing that I had to do if I was not going to have nightmares about this every single night. And you go, what was that? Guys, I I had to engulf myself in God's word and his presence. You see, it was Romans chapter 12 that told us, you know, do not be conformed to the world, but be ye transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. And so I knew that I had to renew my mind in the Word of God. See, there were a lot of people that, that went through that with me, a lot of our coworkers that ended up having to speak to, to several counselors, and, and I never really had to because my, my counsel was from the Word of God. This psalm, church, is broken down in three ways. Number one, jot this down, God is our refuge in strength. And good place for an amen right there. God is our security, is number two. And God is our deliverance. Now, I want you to thank the world we live in, okay? I need refuge and strength. I need security. And I need His deliverance. Why? 
Because, Lord, guys, tomorrow, none of us knows what's going to happen. We don't know what tomorrow might bring. So we need this. We need to walk out of here with that sense of renewal and that sense of, of peace that only God can bring. That's what we're going to look at tonight. Let me let us note, guys, verses 1 through 3. Um, the sufficiency of God is going to be displayed. Look at Psalm 46, verse 1 through 3. Notice what the writer writes. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, Selah, which means think about it. Notice what the writer just said. Guys, if you're taking note, here's what we need to do. We need to do some work. Circle that word for refuge. Why? Well, it's going to show up again in verse 7, but look at the word. You can write next to it a shelter, a rock, a refuge. Here's what he's saying. God, right? Our God is a shelter. He's the rock. He is the refuge. And over in verse 7, the writer employs another meaning for refuge. He says, he is a stronghold, a high tower, and a fortress. I'm calling this message tonight, I'm saying he is, or he is my strong tower. Okay? You are my strong tower, Lord. That's what I'm calling this message. You are my strong tower based on this work. Now, now listen. Here's what it means, okay? Both words mean that God is a dependable, He's a strength, He's a refuge for His people. You go, Pastor, how does that apply to me? Listen to me right now. When life seems to get super crazy and rough, and it will, God is your refuge and strength. God is your refuge and strength. Now listen. The Bible's going to teach us tonight that he's going to protect us, but he's not going to protect us in order to pamper us. You go, well, why does he protect us? Guys, he protects us to strengthen us back to life with all its craziness. You see, he created us to walk through life in all its difficulties because he is our strength, not to try to face them alone and say, okay, I can do this. I think I can. He says, no, 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 no. Listen, I'm going to protect you. Not so you can go, oh, I have God, but so that we can be strengthened in him. Well, what is he saying? Well, notice what he says. The very first line, our God, God is our refuge and strength. He's a very present help in trouble. What's the first thing we should do when we run into trouble? What's the first thing we should do when we have these trials or tribulations? We should run to Almighty God and just lay down our petitions because the Bible just says that He is our help, but yet we run away from God in times of trials, in times of tribulations. We go, oh, I don't know if God can... We should be on our face, church. Listen, if the world is exactly the way it is, then He is our help. You go, well, what what else does he say? Well, in verses 2 and 3, here's what you can write down, guys. The idea is whatever happens, God is our rock. Think about what he said. He said, think about what he said. We're not going to fear even though the earth be removed. Listen, for the believer, where does your strength come from? You and I are not afraid to die. We are not afraid to die. We know that that's going to happen. But for the Christian, it's not death. It's simply moving from one location to another. 
That's all it means. We need to have the mentality where, it's where, where we basically say, hey, listen, if you hear that Ben Martinez died, don't believe it, like, like Billy Graham said. I'll never be more alive than on that day. That's where we need to be. That's where we need to walk in. Whatever happens, when your boss wigs out, he starts firing people all over the place, he is my rock. He is my provider. He's the one that's going to take care of me. That's what we need to grasp, guys. We need to walk out of here with the encouragement that this is the God we serve. The enemy wants to create doubt in your mind. The enemy wants to go, well, God's never helped you so far. God's not done this in your life. God's not done that in your life. Look at you. You wouldn't be in the mess. Go back. Take a look. Look at it from God's perspective, and you'll see that he has guided you all along the way. And when God closes a door, it's for your own good. Because he'll open another door that you don't know. Well, I don't know when is that door going to open. You just got to hold on. Here's the problem, guys. You and I go to bed going, God, close the door. I don't believe this. We should go to bed going happy. I can't wait to see what he's going to do. I lost my job. He's going to give me a better one. I lost my whatever it might. God's going to take care of you. And here's what I told those, here's what I told that man. Here's what I told that precious man who said he wanted to end his life. I said, this life is not all there is. This is not all there is. There is an eternity. And I said, God might even have you here, sir, because he has his Bible and everything. I said, God might have you here, sir, so that you can be a light to the people. We need to start looking at it from God's perspective in our lives. So whatever happens, God is our rock. He is our refuge. He is our shelter. He is our strength. And we can be confident that God will be our refuge. He will be a strong tower in troublesome times. You go, strong tower? Could you explain that? Well, let me, let me illustrate it this way. A strong tower is something that men built in order to defend themselves from their enemies. I don't know if you know some of the towers that have been seen different parts of the country in the highlands, but eventually in the days of our forefathers, when life was simple and primitive, they used to build stone structures, solid, thick, and when the Vikings, perhaps some of the other raiding enemy, came by land or by sea, our forefathers would have to leave their fields and their flocks, and they would gather together, men, women, and children, go through the small aperture into this tower, and there they were safe. The enemy could not get in. Why? Because it was a strong tower. Can you imagine there you are working, you hear the enemy coming in, and you would grab your family, and whatever you built, that strong tower is going to protect you. They could not get in. That's who God is. That's who God is. Oftentimes, guys, when the enemy wants to attack us, we understand we're in a spiritual battle. We don't, sometimes we don't get that we are in a major spiritual battle. Sometimes you don't realize that there's, 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 there's angels getting beat up all over the place for you. I don't know if I necessarily want to fight that battle. I'd rather run into the strong tower of the Lord and say, Lord, he's not going to get in here. I'm just going to wait in you. 
I'm going to wait on you. Pastor, they're talking about me at work. Pastor, they're talking about me at school. Pastor, they're bullying me. Pastor, they're... hang on to the Lord. Hang on to the Lord. He's going to work it out for your good. Why? Because you are a child of God. You're a child of God. Now, let's chat for just a moment, guys. Let's chat. Why? Because we know that this world, man, there's some threatening things. There's some dangerous stuff, right? He says, what should we do? Ready? Jot this down. Focus your attention on God. Focus your attention on God. Why? Because the Bible says that he is with you, right? Didn't it just say that? A very present help. That's exactly what he said, right? A very present help in trouble. In trouble. How do I know that he's with me? His spirit lives inside you. Guys, do you realize that when you give your life to Jesus, that he puts his spirit inside you? You are no longer should no longer should be governed by your own conscience and by your own will and by your own thoughts. You should be governed by the spirit that leads you and guides you. And he is in you and he's going to be your refuge. And since you have his protection, he helps you by his power. Now, this might be a good time to ask some questions, right? Questions like what? Are you depressed by troubles? Right? Don't be. Why? Because God is our strength. And with him, we can bear our burdens because he has put his strength in us. I'll never forget the time. This, this, is all, this goes all credit to Nathalie. But she was sitting there and she was right in the midst of the biggest fight of her life as she was battling cancer. And she says, she told the Lord, I hate weak. You've heard that story from her. I hate weak. I don't want to be weak. I've never been weak. And the Lord spoke to her. It's that it was his strength that was going to be in her. She didn't have to fight. She just needed to stay in him. You go, well, Pastor, listen, let's, 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 let's talk reality, okay? Cancer's no joke. What if, what if, she would have died. God is bigger. And even if he said, son, you're talking to me, son, that's my daughter. I'm going to take her home. I have to trust his sovereignty. But the strength was inside her all the time. Why? Because God lived inside her. That's her story. That's her testimony. What about suffering? What about trials? Can he help you? He can give you all, he need, all you need because he is always with you. He is a helper. And he has been tried and proven reliable. Here's the question, guys. Are we crying out to God in those times of desperation? A lot of us, guys, we're the, I'll fix it. I'll take care of it. Give me it. I'll work it till I'm done. But there's times when we go, man, listen, Lord, I, I need you to do this. You go, as a pastor, how can you illustrate that? Guys, as a pastor... There's a lot of a lot of stuff that we carry on our shoulders, right? We, we we I mean, you know, that that was that was really hard for me to see in the nursing home with people. These are people. These are God's people. These are these are people made in the image of God. And oh, it's like it was a little overwhelming. And I have to go to the Lord at those times and say, God, I can't carry this. I wasn't made to carry this. You carry this. And that's the scripture that says, Cast your cares upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. I got to go, Lord, I can't carry this. I can't carry this. And that's the same thing for you guys. There's stuff that you can carry and you can't carry. Our God 
He is what? He is our safety. He is our peace. Number two, God is our security. Look at verse four. It says, there is a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. You see, think about this. Last year, a group of us went to Israel. And it took everything I had to get Nathalie back on the bus to come home. And she loved Jerusalem. And as we were driving in on the bus, tears were going down. She loved Jerusalem. And you see, the city of God, Jerusalem, was always being threatened by by the neighboring nation. And the inhabitants of Jerusalem were what? Well, they weren't freaking out. They were calmly trusting God for her protection. You go, well, how can that be? How can they be so calm when their city is surrounded by their enemies? The answer is that ever since the Garden of Eden, God has always had a river to bring peace to his own. It's the river of God's grace. It's the river of God's grace. Church, listen. Listen, God is powerful. I don't think we have any idea of of how great his power is. I mean, just think of the few things that he has done. Ready? He spoke the world into existence. He spoke it. When you walk out tonight, take a look up, look at the stars. God spoke every star into its place, and he calls them by name. That's how big our God is. You know what else did he do? He rose Jesus from the dead. Right? The, de- the demons and the devil were rejoicing, right? Friday night, we killed him. He's on the yeah, Look at him. He's dead. That dude's on ice. And all of a sudden, Saturday came and Sunday, and guess what? The Holy Spirit, and, and, and it tripped everybody out. Why? Because God raised them from the dead. And the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. That same power lives in you. You go, what else? I mean, that's a miracle in itself, right? That same power. Well, what else, guys? Well, he maintains what he created so that we can be certain that the sun will rise every morning and the earth will always circle around the sun. Right? Doesn't it trip us out when we look at our solar system and think, how in the world are we even hanging here? Right? We're the third rock from the sun, and God has just, he just put us right in the same place. Right? You've heard that, right? Any closer to the sun, what's going to happen? We're any farther from the sun, and we what? Exactly. God goes, no, 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 I got you right here. And I'm going to spin this earth so fast, you're not even going to feel it, and you're not going to, and, and some of you are dizzy because of it, but that's a whole other story. I mean, it's... Guys, do you know that God has countless angels at his command? And that he's made a covenant with mankind to be our refuge? And if we'll just live righteously and believe in his son. As for me and my house, what are we going to do? Right, and he gives you that river of peace. I said that, this river of grace that's constantly froze from God to us, but I believe there's a river also that has supply of what? What does a river also do? 
it's, it's, it's a supply of refreshment. And that refreshment is the Word of God. Isn't that cool? I mean, think about it like this, guys. Growing up, I used to go trout fishing. Now, I know that's kind of common. That's, that's foreign to you, so-and-so senior. I mean, it's just trout fishing, okay? But we would go up to the most prettiest rivers. And, and I remember being a little tyke, and, and, and they were so clear. And I'd ask my, and they'd come straight up. I'd say, I would say, Dad, can I drink from this water? Oh, yeah, you can drink as much as you want. It brought so much refreshment. See, we didn't have to carry the bottle of water. We're so high up in the mountains, and it was so clear that you actually had to hide. You know what I'm talking about, Sandra. You had to hide in order to catch the fish. But it also brought peace. And I think about that today, guys. You go, why? Because notice what he's saying. A mighty rushing river, I mean, that's different. That's, that's dangerous. That's like, right? But he's saying a quiet river brings about that peace. About that peace. You know, the personal journal of a reporter reported this incredible statistic. He said, since the beginning of recorded history, the entire, the entire world has been at peace less than 8% of the time. In its study, the periodical discovered that of the 3530 or 3530 years of recorded history, only 286 years saw peace. Moreover, in excess of 8000 peace treaties were made and broken. You guys see that? You're going what? Out of out of since recorded history, we've only had 286 years of peace. And we've had over 8000 Peace treaties, made and broken. Made and broken. Guys, let's let's talk about the peace that brings that that Jesus brings in our life. Or rather, let me illustrate it this way. Long ago, a man sought the perfect picture of peace. You with me? Not finding one that's satisfied, he announced that there's a contest to produce this masterpiece. The challenge stirred the imagination of artists everywhere. Paintings arrived from far and wide. Finally, the great day of revelation arrived. The judges uncovered one peaceful scene after another while, while the viewers clapped and cheered. Tensions grew. Only two pictures remained veiled. The judge pulled the cover from one and a hush fell over the crowd. The mere smooth lake reflected lacy, green birches under the soft blush of the evening sky. Along the grassy shore, the flock of sheep gazed undisturbed. Surely this was the winner. The man with the vision uncovered the second painting himself, and the crowd grasped in surprise. Could this be peace? It was a tumultuous waterfall cascaded down a rocky mountain. The, the crowd almost could feel its cold, penetrating spray. Stormy clouds threatened to explode with lightning, wind, and rain. In the midst of the thundering noises, a bitter chill. A spine, a spindly tree clung to the rocks at the edge of the fall. One of his branches reached out in front of the torrential waters after foolishly seeking to experience its full power. A little bird had built a nest in the elbow of the branch. Contented and undisturbed in the stormy surroundings, she rested on her eggs. With her eyes closed and her wings ready to cover her little ones, she manifested peace that transcend all earthly turmoil. Isn't that what Jesus does for us? 
That's exactly, see, see, we think of peace as, oh, look at this beautiful, in the sky, we're in the grass, and this is so, and yet, it's actually the other way. It's the big waterfall, it's the rushing, it's the lightning, it's the rain, it's the clouds, and yet, there you are in his perfect peace, asleep, asleep, asleep. How about number three, guys? How about number three? God is our deliverance, verse eight. He says, come. Behold the works of the Lord who has made desolations in the earth. He makes war cease to end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot with fire. Be still and know that I am God. And I will exalt among the nations. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. The third scene is on the field surrounding Jerusalem where the Assyrian soldiers lay dead, their weapons and their equipment scattered and broken. Listen, there was no battle but God. But God. Come behold the works of the Lord, the word of God says. The Lord defeated his enemies and destroyed their weapons. Why? Well, they could attack no more. God has completely devastated his enemy. This was the greatest army on earth, the Assyrians, guys, at that time. But all their offensive weapons were no match for God. Do you understand that? The war chariots, which formed the main strength of the army of Sennacherib, were utterly destroyed by the power of his might. Toward the end of the psalm, we are given a simple order. You ready? This is going to be important. It says, be still, be still. You guys know what I'm talking about? Be still. You go, what does that mean? Here's what I want you to do. This is very important. Circle that. Why? Because it means take your hands off, relax. That's what it means. Take your hands off, relax. What do you mean? God knows what he's doing. His timing is perfect. When it's all over, he will be exalted and you will be blessed. How many times in our lives, guys, Do we understand that he is our deliverance? And he says, listen, I am your deliverance. Take your hands off of it. I got this. What do you mean you got this, Lord? Are you sure? Because I'm freaking out down here. Listen, I don't see what, I don't know what's going on. I don't know. You know, listen, listen, here's the thing. Here's the thing. God's got this. Church, we all make mistakes. You know what? I'm thankful for the cross of Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful because he knows I'm going to make mistakes. He knows I'm going to sin. He knows I'm going to blow it. He knows I'm going to say the right things or the wrong things at the right time, whatever it might be. He knows that. And I thank God for the cross, because if we were perfect people, then there would be no need for the cross. But what we need to do is we need to be still. That doesn't mean stand still. That means take your hands off and relax. And relax. That's what I like about it. That's what he's saying. Notice, notice verse 10. Be still and know that I take your hands off, relax, and know that I am God. Here's what's going to happen. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on the earth, right? That's what's going to happen. He devastated. God knows what he's doing. His timing is perfect. You go, well, what's the bottom line? Ready? Jot this down. God wants us to stop struggling and find the peace that faith brings. 
This kind of peace only comes when we accept God's lordship in our lives and that we surrender to his will. You don't find peace when there's strife. You don't find peace when there's struggle. We find peace when we bow our hearts to the King of kings and Lord of lords. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. Now we're going to close with this. Let's close with this exhortation, guys. You ready? As we move into this portion of our communion service, in this day and age in which we're living, my dear friends, let me just remind you, Satan is raging on every hand. He is raging in every state. He is raging in the church. Why? Because he knows the time is short. That's what he knows. He knows that he doesn't have much time left. Jesus told us in Matthew, when you see these things, when you see all of this coming to pass, don't let your heart be troubled. This has to happen. When Satan sees these things, he trips, he freaks out because he knows he's only got a limited amount of time on earth. He knows his future, guys. He knows where he's going. And the one thing he wants to do is he wants to take you and trip you up And he wants to trip you up to cause others to stumble. Because whether you realize it or not, people are watching you. You call yourself a Christian. They want to see a true Christian. You see, we we don't want to see what we call Christian atheists. Okay? What is a Christian atheist? It's those who profess Jesus, but they live like there is no God. The, The world is tired of seeing that. They want to see the real thing. They don't care if you struggle. They don't care if if you've made mistakes. They just want to know you're real. They want to know that you go, man, I struggle just like you. You do? I do. But together, if you'll hold up my arms, brother, and I'll hold up your arms, we're in this together. The enemy wants to destroy this church. Because the word of God is being taught from the pulpit week after week after week after week. People are getting saved. They stand there in these blue chairs that you're sitting in. They raise their hands and their lives are changed. You know it. Your life has been changed because of it. And the enemy says, oh, I've got to do whatever I can to stop its leadership. I've got to do whatever I can to get that church. Oh, I can't stand it. And we say, no, 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 no. He knows his time is short. Guys, we had a mission. We got a mission. We got to go out. We got to reach people. We got to bring them. And when we see God do a miraculous birth here, we say, yes, Lord. We got to take those little babies that, that are born again, and we got, to, we got to grow them up. And we got to pour into them. And then we got to kick them out of the nest because there's a big world. We got to be doing our part got to do in our part. Well, how do we do this? Here's how. You ready? Know, know, know that God is your refuge and your strength. Whose strength are you going to rely on? God's strength. God's strength. Do your part. Be a light. Pastor, it's a dark world. I know. And what do you find in a dark world? Ugliness. Don't go in a dark world and turn on the light of Jesus expecting to find pretty. It's ugly, it's dark, and there's people that are hurting, and and that's our job. Our job is just to shine the light and let them see Jesus.
Number two, know that God is your security. He's your security. He's going to provide for you. He's not going to let you fall. And He's not going to let you sin. He loves you too much. He loves you too much to let His little child, just the same we do with our babies. We just don't, we don't let him Come back here. Come back here. If you, if you cross that, you're going to get a spanking. Why do we do that? Because we hate our kids, right? No, of course not. Because we love them. And the Bible says that when he chastises you, it's because he loves you. When he spanks you, it's because he loves you. If you're not being spanked by God, you better, you better, we, we need to talk. We need to talk because God doesn't spank the kids that are not his. Last but not least, as we move into communion, he's our deliverance. Guys, wherever you are today, cheer up. That's not where you're going to end up. Your, your plan has not unfolded yet. That's still working on you. You're under construction. It's not, you know, he's not done. Yeah, and look at Olivia and say, that's all I got. And he says, no, no, watch, watch her story. Watch her story. That's my daughter. That's my, watch her story. Watch her story. She's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. And look at how she's going to impact people. Watch that. Watch that. You see my son Corey over there? I'm not done with him. I'm not done with him. I've got a lot to do. I've got a lot to do. You see? He is what, guys? Think about it. He's our deliverance. He's not done with us. He's not done with us. He wants to do far and beyond what we could ever imagine. But what we need to do is we need to align ourselves up with what he's doing. You got Brother Joe and Beverly. He's not done with you. He's not done with you. I love to see his plan unfold. Brother Joe come in here many years ago. Let me see what this guy has to say. Brother Joe, I'm glad that, that God brought some mature people. I don't know if I'm going to stay. Huh? Brother Joe, God's not done with you yet. Amen. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you. And Lord, as we move into communion, let us be reminded, Lord, of how wonderful and beautiful you are. And Lord, that you are our strength. And, and, and that, Lord, you are, Lord, our security. You are our refuge. You are our strong tower. Lord, let this place be a strong tower. We run into you, Lord, and we're safe. And we can praise you and we can worship you. And Father, now as we get ready to partake in communion, may our hearts be clean. May our minds be clean. May our hands be clean. Listen, if you're here today and you've come in and you have some sin, all you have to do is confess it. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me. I want to be restored. I want, to, I, want to, I want to follow you, Jesus, with all of my heart, and I'm needing help doing it. You just need to pray. You just need to pray. Take a moment as Josh leads us in worship, guys, just to, to, to let, let the Word of God, let the music just cleanse your heart. Spend some time in deep, deep prayer. You don't have to sing, but just be in prayer with, with Jesus. And when you're ready, when you're ready, 
you can come up here and you can pray with each other and you can take communion as a family. You can take it individually, however you want to take it. If you want to spend some time at the altar, well, Pastor Calvary doesn't have an altar. This is an altar. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.